Hello, I'm Axel Cushing. I am the editor-in-chief of Game Luster, and this is Talking Red, our post-mortem podcast for the Cyberpunk Red Nephilim Echo limited podcast series. Uh, with me I have Brennan, uh, you may have heard better as Locke. I have Haley, uh, who you know as Olive, and I have Mike, who you know as Slash. Thank you for coming, guys. Uh, Glad that you're all here. So glad to be here. <laughs> so the uh, <clears throat> the first question that uh, just kind of comes immediately to mind: How are you all feeling now that it's over? It's like okay, we've done the, we've done five episodes, we've gotten through it all. How are you? How are you feeling on it? It's just normally. You know, do you normally think about a campaign or think about or process what happens after the campaign or is it more like, oh, no, it's done. Next. Um, I mean, I, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm actually quite not sure because like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm. I've thought about it a bit, but like not, not still not entirely sure like where I land on it. Like, um, uh, I, I'm not like I see. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not exactly sure where I like. I would even see Locke going next. To be completely honest, like, I mean, I do have some ideas of where we could take the character, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I felt like while. I like how it was it was left off to be able to continue but like I also feel like it was a nice little wrapped up narrative like I the thing that I feel like I liked the most just about the whole experience was just like how carefully crafted everything was like narratively speaking you know we we had a we had a beginning <laughs> Excuse me, and um, you know we had a very clearly set up middle, and then obviously we had our our big climax, um, which was rather explosive, and then um, I I I enjoyed the fact that it was carefully constructed, but then also at the same time like I felt like uh, we were also very much on rails at points. So, like, I feel like that would ultimately just depend on, like, where the story goes next. Um, but that's, that's just, that, that's just my two cents. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I will say that uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad that it still maintained the illusion of being carefully constructed narratively. <laughs> I was punting a, a great deal on that one, actually. I had a basic outline, I had an episode sequence in mind, and it completely went to crap after about the second episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, for me, I've only done either really long campaigns that, I'm, that are still ongoing, or I've only done one-shots. So, you know, to do an actual campaign, even though this was only five episodes, um, you know, this was a different thing to me. So it's like it ending and knowing that you know the campaign's done. It's sort of a new feeling for me. Um, 
you know, because it's just something that I haven't done. You know, I've been playing role playing games for what three or four years now, mm-hmm. and this is like the first time I've actually finished an actual campaign. Wow. Uh, Haley, what are your thoughts um, on all this? I'm sort of in the same boat as Mike. Like, this is the first campaign that I've actually like finished and wrapped up, and. I'm sitting here thinking, like, wow, like, what could Olive have done differently? And I sort of think that after every single episode that we played, it's like, should I have said this over that? Or should I have done more? Should I have done less? Um, So reflecting back on it now, I'm just like, damn, I feel like I should have gotten involved more or I should have fleshed out my character more. But I sort of like where the campaign went, and I like what I did with Olive, so I feel like I'm pretty satisfied with how everything uh, wrapped up. Okay. So <clears throat> what would you say was you know, just your, your favorite single moment in the campaign? You know the, that one moment. It's like, oh yeah, this you know this is the good stuff. I wish I could have this kind of moment in other campaigns. Killing the clowns. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I hate yeah. clowns. Sorry, clown. Any clown watching or listening right now? I do not like clowns. So you know what we did that that episode. You know, it was pretty funny to me. Totally, totally agree. Like I. I very much have a real life like phobia of clouds, just completely irrational. I mean, well, from outside looking in, it's irrational. So when 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 you said that we were fighting clouds, like I was genuinely like kind of bugged. I was like, oh, okay. But then you know, then we got into the set of like, all right, we're gonna fuck with them. We're gonna you know kill them. They're gonna kill each other, and it was. I was able to use this fantasy to, to fight my fears in, like, the most cliche dumb way possible. But, like, I absolutely agree with Mike. That was one of the moments. Um, I think that the, uh, like, the, um, uh, I, I, I'm, the one thing that I need to do better is, is actually, like, take notes. And I'm guilty of this in our other D&D campaign where I just don't know anyone's names, like, 90% of the time. But the, the one episode where we went to the, um the the committee like the nightclub not nightclub right. but like the, the the dinner party i can't remember yes the dinner party thank you i don't know olives is something that was a fun one because like we just i i, I like i like that you know that there's that the, the, there we could have really messed that up like we really really could have messed that up but it was a high stakes scenario where it wasn't really all just about the combat like at all it was more of just like really relied on just basic logic skills of like how to get out of this one and i I really really liked that point it was very high stakes moment but without any combat at all and it was like genuinely terrifying to kind of have these like four or five people on stage just calling you out in public and then having to weasel your way out of that trying to figure (laughs) your way out of that one it was was very interesting to me 
that dinner party was probably my favorite part as well just because like it's sort of the first time that Olive got like a front and center uh, part in the campaign and like Brennan said like if we didn't do well that could have went to shit like I honestly think we could have all died and then getting that gun was like pretty fucking cool too that was great I love that gun so much great gun 10 out of 10 we'll kill people with it yeah uh, I if I remember correctly I, uh, that particular episode really did fall in the same uh, <clears throat> actually no I think I had to move that one up a little bit uh, I think that was scheduled to be like the, the next to last episode and then you know things completely fall apart you know the, uh, there was this I had this careful outlines like okay we're going to be doing A, B, C, D, E and then it just totally gets shuffled around and I'm glad that you guys were able to roll with that or that I was able to hide it as well as I did yeah yeah honestly like even just even just like the pacing of everything I felt was good like there were some very action packed episodes while there was other episodes where it was just like like the dinner party one where it was again just very role play based and I like that to be honest I don't I don't think combat needs to be shoehorned into every single encounter yeah. where uh, I feel like a lot of like quote air quote action role playing games nowadays like if you're sitting down playing a video game combat's almost always like expected so again it's nice to be able to play a game where combat isn't just the default action you roll to yeah. right, so that kind of leads into, into uh, my next question. Uh, <clears throat> you were talking about, you know, the the opportunity to role play and the uh, the opportunity to kind of dive more into your characters as characters. Uh, what would you say was your your big influence character wise? You know, when you were when you're trying to when you're putting on the persona for you know for the uh, for the roles and for the action and whatnot. What you know? What was motivating you? What was inspiring you? What did you say? You know? What did you think? Okay, I want to be taking this the character in this direction. Um, I think at least for me, like I wanted Olive to be a very laid back character. Um, in like our other campaigns that we play in. Uh, the characters that I normally play are usually front and center and heavily are relied on to make decisions so I just wanted a character that didn't do that and who was kind of just working within the shadows um, of the group rather than being like the face of the group so when it came to Olive uh, I wanted her her actions to be the main focus rather than anything that she would actually say. So, so you you know more of a supporting character, but not 
somebody necessarily lazy. You know, not yeah. not not going with the idea of with no power comes no responsibility. Yeah, like I wanted her to like help her friends, but like I said, like more in a background way rather than being the main focus. Like she would do anything to help her friends and protect her friends even if she didn't necessarily agree with what was going on um so i just wanted her to be there as a supporting character and help from the shadows rather than being in the limelight uh mike uh i and i i should i should probably apologize at least a little bit i i was having the damnedest time trying to think okay how do i how do I construct an episode that features your particular unique skill set and still doesn't feel like a throwaway episode? And I do apologize. Right. And I do apologize for that. <laughs> That's fine. Well, well, the thing about Slash was I try to make make him like you know this guy who wants to keep his head down. You know, he's been through some shit, so now he just kind of want to live a more you know quiet life and you know kind of just play his music. But at the same time, I wanted him to be loyal to the people around him, you know, that he really trusted, like Locke and um, Olive. So, you know, while he's trying to, you know, just play his shows and whatnot, when the two of them, you know, needed stuff throughout the campaign, of course he was going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, we're going to roll on this, we're going to do this. Uh, uh, Brandon, uh, well, <laughs> what was your motivation? <laughs> uh... Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of it, at least initially, stemmed from our first episode and just being kind of dropped in the position of like, you're you own this building, you're responsible for all of these people, and upon learning that, I was like, oh shit, okay, and I kind of wanted to translate that to the character so like it seemed real, um, also because you know, kind of like the opposite of what Haley was saying. I feel like in our other campaigns, I mean, I I try not to be the face, because I, I don't really like making hard decisions on the spot. <laughs> it kind of puts me in a tizzy, if you will. I, I did um, notice that a, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I am, uh, admittedly, friends of mine, they call it the, the Brennan Shuffle, where like I go back and forth between two options, and I ultimately die trying to make a decision, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I tried to make it like a very uh, tried to play this person who like thinks he's got his shit together, but clearly doesn't. Because again, that's what I was. It's exactly what I was doing rolling into this campaign. I was like, I totally know what I'm doing. I played RPG games before, and then we sat down for the first episode, and I was like, Oh my god, this is fairly different from D&D in, in a, you know, in both good and bad ways, of course, like anything else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just tried to channel that kind of neurotic mess, but also, like, rooted by this moral anchor. And not moral as in, like, good and bad, right? Like, I've, I've played and read cyberpunk material before. I understand that there's really no good. It's just varying varying shades of gray so i mean there were points where i had kind of just wanted to just shoot harry in the back of the head 
when he's telling me to do stuff because I just don't like people telling me to do stuff and I'm, I just wanted to, it's like you know what if what if I just shoot him in the back of the head I had that thought so many times <laughs> but I just didn't you know I was just like alright I'm just gonna sit down shut up do my work keep the people in the house happy honestly I feel like everything really boiled down to Locke you're in charge of this building of people you gotta keep them safe and that was really all I thought about it was just I gotta keep these people safe and every, almost every decision kind of went back to that point, which I feel like, again, if I didn't have, if you didn't kind of write that in for me, I have no idea where I would have taken the character. Absolutely no clue. Um, I just had an idea of, like, this kind of sneaky asshole, but it didn't really work out that way at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I'm even trying to think of, like, if I had an inspiration, like, a character, and I, I can't think of anything. It's just thinking of someone who's just placed in a landlord position at a really young age because his clan told him to, and he's, like, trying not to fuck up. But then I also had, like, seven enemies, so I was, like, yeah. I'm really trying not to fuck up. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in the episode, you, you weren't... In the episodes, you weren't trying to fuck up, but the, uh... The backstory kind of indicated that you've you've done you front loaded a lot of the fucking up before before all this. Yeah, exactly. And specifically within the character, I really liked. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if this was intended or not, but that whole ending with you know Reeves not necessarily being a bad guy like at all, and having Locke being like okay we're both on the same playing field like we both had to do shit to survive like I like that just for the character I understand that it's my character and I played it that way but I'm just I liked how you kind of pitched that for me and I just I tried to hit it you know for uh for uh what's it a double I don't play golf <laughs> I don't know no. basketball <laughs> <laughs> do the sports ball thing yeah no uh, <laughs> uh, just for uh, for the listeners who uh, who haven't been keeping up or who weren't aware of it previously uh, <clears throat> before the uh, before the, this campaign I had you know begged bullied and bribed uh, the players. <laughs> Uh, who were working with me at Game Luster previously to uh, to try out the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart because I figured, okay, let's try this out. It was just out at the time. I thought, hey, maybe we can do a, a critical style podcast out of it and you know, we'll see where it goes. And that first episode, there was a, call it episode zero, which I didn't record and I still feel absolutely stupid for not doing so, but hey, do on me. Uh, <clears throat> where it was the introductory adventure from the from the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart kit, and I figured, okay, yeah, we'll we'll go with Locke. You know, we'll go with the Nomad. He's he's not nomading. He's not running around. Uh, he's definitely not chasing, you know, nomad girls in tight jeans with you know fine booties. Yeah, he... that was an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, that was that was not an option. Um but 
in in that episode zero uh, prequel, uh, I had created Clarence Reeves as just kind of a one-off villain, and I remember you reacted badly to him. I mean, you <laughs> you absolutely were. It's like, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I I want to <laughs> burn and pillage. It's like. Okay, so we're getting uh, getting a little more Mad Max than I had initially anticipated. <laughs> okay, we'll roll with it. And after that, uh, after that session, I thought, you know what? If there's an opportunity to keep this character around, or if there's an opportunity to get the players back together and do something more consistently, then I want to keep this villain around. This seems like an interesting antagonist, and I started to flesh him out, and I started to think, okay, how do I, how do I really make this guy interesting? You know, he's, you know, keeping in mind that whole, you know, there, you know, good and bad is very shaded depending on what end of the gray scale you're on. I wanted to make him at least a slightly darker shade of gray, and it was it was a challenge, I think. But at the same time, the fact that you know you did react like you did that this was, or I got the reaction that I did from you for that finale, tells me that okay, yeah, I managed to get it right. Yay for me. I would definitely think so. Like, I would vouch for Reeves being, like, at least, you know, as a, as a very, very subsect of the overall campaign. No, I, I definitely thought that Reeves was at least an interesting enough character to... Because we didn't really know much about him at all, just that I had fucked him over and somehow... I mean, he had explained it, but like, I goes in one ear, right out the other. Both for the character and me, so that really fits. But also, like learning more about him was you know it's sort of like kind of unraveled in your face and you're just like oh okay I'm I don't know anything at all actually about the situation <laughs> and we have to I want to learn even more so yeah I mean and especially the whole wife and the kid thing man that was uh, that was nutty just even playing that out like in my head like a, like a movie scene I was just like this could go very wrong very quickly and, like, I could see the temptation of, like, where Harry was setting that up, that meeting up, you know? And, again, proving how much of a fucking, like, crazy mastermind that you wrote Harry to be. Because, you know, saying that Reeves was going to be there and not explaining that it was actually his wife and kid that he was hoping that we would, you know... He was hoping that we would fuck up in some way. Like, that's... That's some 4D chess planning in my head. Uh, writing Harry was uh, was actually, in some ways, it was easier uh, because I did have a uh, I did have a character that I cribbed from, but at the same time, I also had to fit him a little bit into the existing or rewrite him for the existing mythology and lore of Cyberpunk Red. Uh, <clears throat> But yeah, he, I, I was at least I was initially thinking okay, when I was playing the 
the campaign out, I was thinking, okay, how do we, how do we work in Clarence Reeves? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, okay, we can't work him in directly. All right, he's going to be this loom. He's going to be the looming presence. He's going to be the, you know, the. We think you know. I'm building him up to be the 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 big bad evil guy. And then, surprise, Harry's Harry pulls his little stunt, and it's like, wow, I I was hope I had hoped that I had kept that concealed, or at least reasonably well concealed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, I, you you, I mean, you did a good job of like telling us like this might be a trap, but also like kind of leading us into the trap and there's also the suspension of disbelief where characters like don't understand but I feel like we can kind of be like like even as soon as you're like all the rooms empty I feel like we all in our head go alright this is this is trap this is fucked like we I mean if we weren't thinking that beforehand then come on like I don't know again it's cyberpunk like you have to have a certain understanding of like people are apt to just fuck you over constantly there's no one actually trying to help you yeah, I just remember walking into that empty room and being, ah, shit, <laughs> something's about to go down. And then the, you know, the wife and the kids walk in, and I'm like, huh, where's he going with this? And then, like, five minutes later, we just get peppered with gunfire, and I was just like, oh, shit, like, this whole time, we were being led into something, you know, deep and heavy. My brain just keeps going, it's a trap, 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 it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. the whole entire time. And I was, like, so mad because I kept saying it, yet everyone's like, oh, well, let's just talk it out. And I'm like, it's fucking trap, guys. Like, let's stop standing around. But, I mean, like, there's only so much that, like, my words can do when everyone else has their own uh, thoughts as to what's going on, so... I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it and just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've just seen we've just seen too much Hollywood where like the main characters get stuck in the evil bad guy's plan, the bad guy explains everything, and then the main character cuts out, beats up the bad guy, and leaves. We've just seen that way too much, and that's just ingrained. We just see a trap, and we go, we'll get out of it. But sometimes you don't. Yeah, and being fair, I've... Uh... I I didn't necessarily think you guys were going to get killed, but I was also allowing for the possibility that you know the dice would decide, hey, let's have some fun and kill a, let's kill a character. So that was a that was always a a consideration in the back of my mind because uh, if you look at the rule set and if you look at the damage or the way that uh, damage is calculated, you do not necessarily have a great lifespan i mean once you once your armor is gone you're down to you know flesh and bone and that's squishy when bullets hit it hard so <clears throat> i guess the uh, the corollary now has to come up what went wrong in the campaign what you know what was something that to you, you you said, okay, this sucks. I I am not a fan of this. I'm not enamored of this. I am unhappy about this. 
or I wish this had been handled differently. I kind of think, like, us as a group, like, I've been playing D&D &D with Brennan and Mike for a couple years now, so I feel like we get along pretty well, um, and know, and, we're, like, we're able to easily communicate and bounce um, ideas off of each other and feed off of each other in, like, very quick instances, so I feel like when it comes to the... Uh, dinner party episode like that episode was wild and crazy because we're so used to each other but then you toss other people into the mix and I feel like we kind of just don't react well because we're like okay well how do we play with other people so I kind of just wish like we would have interacted more um, when playing with other people and I think that would have been a lot more enjoyable from the jump because I definitely like reflecting now I saw myself not really interacting much because I was just like well fuck there's other people here and I say a lot of vulgar things and I don't want to offend anybody um, so I kind of just wish like we would have interacted more because I feel like there would have been a lot less uh empty spots and I feel like at least personally for Olive I feel like she would have came out more and would have been a lot more interactive with the other characters but like that's just my own personal thing also I wish that like overall just in general that the storyline didn't really rely on Brennan's character a lot because I feel like his character was the main focus of a lot of things and while that's great and all i feel like we just didn't really get to see any of the other characters at all besides being in supporting roles which personally for me that's what i wanted for all of but i feel like like with mike's character um and the other characters like we just didn't really get much to them unfortunately yeah and and that and again that was that was one of those things that I I was trying to get cha things changed up. I was trying to give opportunities, but at the same time, I was also like, okay, how do I do this without just completely destroying the narrative arc? It's like, okay, I, I didn't want I didn't want to create a filler episode because you know you, you start creating filler episodes and suddenly you're a hundred episodes into Naruto and you know nobody's done anything. <laughs> I mean, it's also, like, a limited series, so I definitely understand, like, not being able to do everything at once. So, I feel like my expect- personally, my expectations were a little high, but that's on me. But I still had fun with it, and I'm happy with where it went. Sorry for interrupting you, Mike. I was gonna say, I'm kind of in the same boat as, um, Haley. Um, I'm not good with new people. So, you know, um, having people in the campaign that I just really didn't know kind of, you know, threw me off a little. Um, I knew because I've known Haley and Brennan, you know, for a few years now, we've been playing for a few together. I know I could say certain things that will get them, you know, reactions out of them. I know how to make them, you know, say certain things. But having, you know, since it was such a limited campaign, um, I've 
really didn't have the time to really gel together with you know the players that I really wasn't comfortable with. Right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm. I'm also in agreement with like just the. The the people, thing, um, and again, no disrespect to. Anybody, it's it, it's just very much just like a, a. Comfortability thing, you know. It's just. Nothing more than that, um, and also I guess, and yeah, I mean, I'm also not really one that's. I mean, and, and you, you, we were all aware. Um, I'm not good in the. In like the the limelight for too long, I under I I very much understand that. I, I I think as a main character, me personally, Brennan, gets kind of boring after a while. So like, while I did a very much appreciate being the main character at points, um, I I felt like like the the spotlight was very typically only placed on like one person at a time um there were points in which like i wanted to ask the group like kind of sit everyone down and be like how do you feel about this issue also knowing a we have limited time and b you know again with the familiarity thing it's kind of hard to gauge everyone um but yeah i i guess i just kind of wish that there was more interactivity within the group and that's not necessarily something that's you know on the dm i mean like sure there's instances that you can create that force us to do that but if if that's not something that we seek out ourselves then 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 there's nothing really that you as the dm can do about that so again i feel like it just kind of boils down to how well the players mesh with each other and if their interests and motivations and goals kind of align because if they don't, then you just have you have a lot of splitting up, and that's not really fun for people because you just have one person in the spotlight, and then the other five seven people are just eating popcorn, yeah. listening to a podcast, which is not a bad thing at all. I don't want to come across as as if I'm critiquing that hardly. Um, but yeah. That's <clears throat> not good either. Oh, I was just going to say, one thing I sort of kind of have to add is that if we didn't play that initial episode, the one that you didn't record, our characters, me, Brennan, and Mike's characters, we wouldn't have anything in common or like a common goal for the rest of the campaign. So I kind of think that's another thing that the campaign sort of lacked was that the only reason why the three of us were together was because we previously went through an issue that brought us together but if we didn't go through that then there really wouldn't be a common goal for us to work together and I feel like with the other two characters that's that might be one of the reasons why the characters didn't mesh well is because they also didn't have a common goal like we did so reflecting back on that now i kind of like feel bad for not trying to get them to get a common goal or like helping them realize like hey this is a common goal that we have you guys should do it too and getting them to interact more with the party like that okay all right so <clears throat> uh i know that uh i know uh 
the Unlimited series is still kind of off in Never Never Land at the moment, and still on paper. But uh, if you know, if and when it ever does get started up, what would be one element or one thing that you really, really, absolutely, positively would absolutely have to insist on being explored at least a little bit? Um, for me, maybe, because, um, you know, we were so focused on Locke for the limited series. Yeah. Um, maybe really, really digging into the other characters like Slash and Olive. Um, I know both our characters have their past. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, Slash has, you know, to deal with the old band, the old band he was a success with. You know, he had the lover who ended up leaving him. So, you know, um, I don't know all of the story. Sorry, Haley. Um, but, you know, just being able to explore those types of storylines, I think, would be really good. And just really help let, um, you know, anybody listening to get to know these characters just as well as we got to know Locke. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. Just because, like, I... Uh, with Olive's backstory, it's like, she grew up rich, and then her family went missing. And so, like, she's been trying to use her connections to, like, try to find her family and what happened to them. So, I kind of think that's something that I'd like to flesh out more. Just because I played Olive as such a laid-back character that I feel like the listeners probably didn't really get to know her at all because I said like five words every episode. And about uh, three of them were fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But th- that's, uh, that's just the go-to word because it always captures every moment. Um, or it's a trap. So I said that a lot in the last episode. Um, but True. yeah, I just like to flesh her out more and give her a backstory that she deserves and also get to know the character that I'm playing better because I going into that dinner party I didn't really know what I was walking into because I barely played Olive at all so just getting to understand her as a character and like what the role of whatever role it was because now I forget yeah you you were a fixer there we go Uh, just get to get that uh, to know that role better and develop her as a character to be a lot more helpful with the group would I definitely like to explore that I don't I I don't know like I definitely agree with the sentiment behind um, character driven stories rather than plot driven stories um, have the characters drive the plot rather than the other way around because um, I just find that that tells like what Mike was saying it kind of flushes up the world both the world and the characters very well um, but I mean honestly other than that there's I can't really think of much other than just I'll always vouch for just more role playing in my role playing game I mean I know that we did a lot of that so that's not necessarily a critique um just you know i again i'm just one that always adds more role play kind of specifically being like just more instances where similar to the dinner party where you know combat's not the first 
the, the first go-to instance. Um, you know, more instances of being able to be like, okay, well, let's think this out. Um, and also have, like, the time to think it out, because I feel like, I don't know, I, I, maybe like a heist, a heist or something. That would be so cool. Like, I have ideas for, like, speci very specific things that I would want to do. Like, a heist episode, I think, would be really dope. Like, I could keep, I could go on and on, but, but very specifically, though, um, just really yeah. anything that just involves the roleplay, specifically. I, I, I like that in Cyberpunk, especially because I feel like we didn't get into any hacking or anything. I mean, like, we did, kind of. Uh, I guess it's not really... I don't know if net running is really, like, a... <clears throat> that might be a really complicated thing, right? I don't I don't remember reading much about that in the jump start. Yeah, uh as far as uh as far as net running, uh nope <laughs> since nobody was a net runner, it was kinda hard to yeah. to, to make that sort of thing happen, but it was also uh it also saved me a lot of headache. Uh well, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh net running in Cyberpunk Red is rather different than what it was in cyberpunk 2020 uh there it was basically a case of you almost had to run parallel sessions you had the main party off shooting and looting and then you had the net runner off hacking and doing all that stuff and the actual hacking attacks and hacking movements and whatnot were taking up only seconds of game time, but they were taking up 90% of the real time. Uh, it's, mm. it's been somewhat modified in, uh, in red, uh, mainly because the old net, you know, the, that type of, uh, full interface has been, removed um but it's definitely more kinetic now but again that was one of those cases where we didn't have actual net runners so that was an element that didn't get explored as much as we probably could have uh, and it, i think it might have uh impacted it or it created more options for how it could have gone uh, i will say that I did try to make uh, episode four, uh, the one down in the underground. That was supposed to be a heist. And oh right, yeah, yeah, we did kind of do heisty stuff. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I broke out of jail, so that's pretty heisty. Yeah, that that was episode two. And that and yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a heist or a heist type episode. Uh, but yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I I can understand, you know, looking for the big score, looking for the new thing. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so I guess at this point, the you know it's now grill the GM. You know what are, what are the things that you wanted to know about, but you were too afraid to ask before. <laughs> Why is this game so complicated? <laughs> like shit I sat there read like the jump start probably a bajillion times and I was like fuck I don't know what the fuck's going on in any of this 
and every time you were like, make a such and such role, I'm going through the character sheet like, shit, where do I find Yeah, role, right? <laughs> every single time I'd sit there and study it and be like, okay, uh, perception's here, and this is here, and that's here, and then you'd be like, make this, and I'm like, where the fuck is that? I didn't see that shit. <laughs> Uh, being fair, the uh, the character sheets that I was using on Roll Twenty, uh, I did not design them. I you know I just grabbed what was already on there and free. Uh, I will say that they are fairly la- fairly well laid out, although there were some mechanical issues. Uh, I think uh, on initiative was the was the big one there. But yeah, uh, I think in a physical tabletop it would probably be a little easier because uh, you really only either you're rolling a couple of d10s or you're rolling a whole bunch of, of uh, d6s for like damage and whatnot uh, but yeah I I think this is one of those games that it sounds oddly appropriate to be using it virtually but in practice, it it did seem a little overburdened, and, th- and again, that may have just been the character sheet more than anything else. I feel like this is definitely a game that if, at least from what we read with the manual that we had, if you don't have somebody who knows the game or has played the game before, I feel like this might be a little bit hard to jump into from the get-go, because like I said, like... I would read and reread a bajillion times uh, the quick start guide, and I'm just like, I still don't understand any of this. So, I mean, and that's not on you. Thank Jesus you knew what you were doing, because if you didn't, then I don't know if I would have known anything at all. But I feel like it's a little bit on like the game creators that I feel like they could have fleshed this out just a little bit easier for newbies. Mm. Okay. I have two questions. Okay. They both pertain to the narrative. First question: What would have happened if we just shot Harry in the back of the head, like really early on, <laughs> like very first episode? We had, <laughs> we had yeah, that opportunity. We were really close to him at some points. So, like, I always wondered what would have like. Could we have just? solved everything really quickly if episode <laughs> one just shot him right man as soon as we saw him like what would you have done I guess <sighs> well I would have probably had to shit can four episodes worth of uh, episode outlines <laughs> to start with <laughs> oh my god alright okay <laughs> and Ax- the oh. whole time Axel's probably like please don't kill him please don't kill him <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Well, I uh, honestly, I did not think that I didn't think that you were going to kill Harry as much as you wanted to kill Harry. I, I, I was trying to find that sweet spot between I so want to kill you, but I know I can't. So it's like you're you're lucky. <laughs> but you it had was that. you had that because <laughs> I had that exact thought. Like, you're lucky, son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, my whole thing with Harry was that I wanted to make him a necessary evil. I mean, I literally necessary. It's like you can't stand the guy half the time, but you need him, 
and that obviates the any desire to shoot him in the face as much as you wanted to as badly as you think he probably deserved it you can't shoot him just yet it's like i'm i'm gonna be patient i'm gonna wait every minute that i have to suffer through this is just one more bullet i'm gonna pump into your corpse god i just wanted you to know that i was thinking about it my second question is what the hell was up with the nuke it was just like a very big thing and then it was just slept on the table and it was like we forgot about it (laughs) that's a huge thing i mean like i'm assuming that that's probably if you were leading into the unlimited series that that's something that we would have to come across another time or maybe not i don't know i I was just always curious like what the deal with the nuke was well uh the deal with the nuke was that that was a part of that was i i will say it was me indulging in in lore that didn't really get covered necessarily very well i think uh, either in the books or in uh, Cyberpunk 2077, because that one, you know, that barely got touched on. Yeah. Uh, it was it was mentioned in the Firestorm Adventure arc for Cyberpunk 2020, but I was thinking, you know, it was one of those things like I wanted to really. cast and or put it in the put it in the players heads and obviously in the listeners heads that you know whatever how however awful the nuke was that arasaka didn't set off they did have a nuke which was always rumored and you know everybody suspects it's like okay it's like hey you know arasaka arasaka's got a nuke right no why would they have a nuke because they're Arasaka, man. It was a case of I wanted to say, yeah, this could have got you know. This was a little bit of lore that I wanted to show off. It's like, yeah, I want. I also wanted it to to make it uh, so so much worse than just basic, you know, basic dirty bomb or anything like that. Uh, I will say that I cribbed a little bit from uh, David Weber's Honor Harrington novels. Uh, about uh, for the idea of a bomb pumped laser uh, that was uh, well the those those particular those glass rods that were suspended over the uh, over the bomb that that's what that was you know, they were supposed to basically be lasing material that would have destroyed the tower and everything in it you know it wasn't going to be just a simple nice dirty bomb that makes sure you can't get near the uh the data you know the arasaka databases for twenty thousand years or so now this was going to be destruction this was going to be scorched earth and to me that seemed appropriate for my understanding my interpretation of saburo arasaka it's like you know there will be absolute you know if i'm going down if this is going down i'm leaving nothing behind i'm not even leaving the foundations behind that's how little you will get out of me or my company makes sense to me 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. One of the things that I like about the cyberpunk lore is, you know, it is very rich. It does have a lot of stuff. And I wanted to flash as much of that as I could without just bogging everything down. And I definitely didn't want to be taking the uh, CD Projekt Red route of, oh, hey, uh, we've got Keanu Reeves, so everything Johnny Silverhand now. That I, I wanted to avoid that because that was a that was a an, an object lesson for how not to tell a story. Mm, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> any other questions? Any you know anything else you want to know? No, I'm good. I'm solid. I honestly have zero questions. Mm. Uh, well, I will say that, uh, like I said, there you know there is the unlimited campaign is still on the drawing board. Uh, Despite what uh, Mike Pondsmith may have written in the uh, in the Cyberpunk Red Core book, there is it, it did have or it, there is going to be an overarching thing going on. There is going to be a larger plot. Uh, I I was kind of uh, influenced a little bit by uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, standalone complex, so I'm trying to kind of plot something out where you have the the complex episodes that tell that big overarching story and get the players dragged into things that are way above their pay grade but at the same time you have those standalone episodes that help get deeper into the characters to get you know more personal stories uh, smaller scale that sort of thing. Sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's still on the drawing board. It's <laughs> you know it was it was hell and a half plotting out five episodes and sticking to that schedule and look how well that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only be amazed at. Uh, at how well this is going to turn out uh, but it is in process it is in development and I really hope when I do get you know when I do have it ready I have you guys with me and if there are any other players that you want to nominate you know, or we, you know people you've played with in other games that you say hey yeah I, I, I know this I you know there, I know this uh, this narrative podcast that I'm working, you know, this that some guys working on, it'll be really cool. You know, it'll, it'll be different than slaying goblins. You, you get to shoot people in the face and, and say chumba a lot. <laughs> oh, I didn't do that a lot. I got to do that a lot. If you do the other campaign. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that I believe is going to do it for this singular episode of Talking Red. Uh, I do want to thank my guests, Brennan, Haley, Mike. Thank you very much. I'm glad you can make it out here. And I look forward to playing with you guys again at some point. Uh, thanks also to Game Luster for letting me get everybody together and 
running Cyberpunk Red and Phylum Echo. Uh, we have it all on the YouTube channel here. Uh, it's in our playlist for tabletop gaming. <clears throat> if you want to go straight, you know, want to sit through, listen from episode one to episode five and pick stuff apart, let us know. Uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a comment, you know, say hi, say bye, say screw you, Chumba. We are listening. Uh, once again, I am Axel Cushing, and this is this has been Talking Red, uh, a podcast production from Game Luster. Good night, everybody. Good night.